I grew up in a small little town out in western Nebraska. Many of you know that story. Maybe many of you don't know. I grew up in a, I think the best adjective I have is a non-practicing Catholic family. <laughs> so if you wonder what a non-practicing, what does that adjective mean? It means that we just didn't go to church. I found out years later, like in my high school years, that there was some hurt that happened when I was born, and, and so I just didn't know any better. So I didn't grow up in a church, didn't really know what Sunday experience was like, and uh, through what I would only call divine intervention, all of a sudden one day in my teens, I ended up going to the Catholic school in town. Just a weird series of events. I'm there, and Sister Gabriel shows up. Bonafide nun, right? So this is a Vatican one. For those, how many here are, are come from Catholic backgrounds? There's usually a lot in this church. So Sister Gabriel, well, they, they will understand, was a Vatican I nun. Was a Vatican I? That means she had the penguin suit, the black and white habit with the cool hat. And Sister Gabriel said, Brian, she said, you've missed about a decade of catechism classes, so let's get you caught up. So I came to school, this is, this is junior high, I came like a half hour, hour early, like multiple days a week, and she caught me up. And so I remember my first communion. I remember kind of like, what is all this stuff? And, and I remember most of all, I remember my first confession. And that's why I ask, there's how many people here have that kind of Catholic background? What was interesting was we would go to confession on Saturday night at 6.30, kind of preparing us for Sunday's worship. And I know for those of you maybe who haven't have a Catholic background, when you hear confession, you think of the confessional, right? The little building you walk into there. And, the, and it's got the veil between you and the priest that you can stay anonymous. Well, that wasn't going to happen in a town of 5,000 people and a kid who knows Father Warner from school every day. So we didn't go in the confessional. We went to this room to the side and Father Warner was just like right there and you sat across the table from him. And I remember trusting Father Warner and sharing everything that had happened in my life. And what I remember most is I remember at St. Anne's Catholic Church, I remember walking out, coming out of that room with Father Warner and done with confession and walking down the long aisle to go out the front doors. And I tell you what, my feet did not hit the floor. I would walk four to five foot off the floor if I was honest with him and I shared everything that was going on. I walked out that door. I felt brand new. I felt unburdened. And I was filled with peace as a teenager. And so the question is, well, why did I walk four to five feet off the floor? And I think it's taken me four decades to figure this out. And I want to share it with you today. But before we start there, I want to get us all started. We'll welcome everybody to those who are new to Westview Community Church. My name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. We're glad you're here. Um, this Connect card that you got, Lene talked a little bit about our worship leader. Uh, if you go on the back, we're going to go into uh, talking about the spiritual discipline of confession today. And so uh, there's a reference here, the key scripture. Uh, it's not John 1, 5 through 10. This is my bad. It's 1 John 1, 5 through 10. So put a 1 there in the front. Don't go to the Gospel of John when we go there, but I want you to turn there. I want you to go to John's letter, 1 John. It's way in the back of your Bible in the New Testament, so that's my apologies. So if you see reference to John 1, 5 through 10, no, that's it's 1 John 1. And here's just an outline of what we're going to talk about today in this spiritual discipline. 
We are in the fourth week of a sermon series called Built Different. We, as Christians, are built different, and we're talking about spiritual disciplines, the way that God builds us. God takes our, you won't, I think we all know this, our lives are so marred and disfigured by sin that the spiritual disciplines take that marred, disfigured life and restores us. For those who follow Christ, restores us in His image. And so spiritual disciplines are a very important part of our life. And so this built different, we're talking about these spiritual disciplines. I just want to recap, I, I kind of, where we've been. And so we've been using a tool every week. I, I said, week one, what's your favorite tool? The one that brings you most joy, and mine was the multi-purpose tool. And the first discipline we talked about, the first tool was the tool of celebration. That celebration and joy, to celebrate God all day, every day, is a scripture verse. And, and so if we can't do that, then the rest of these spiritual disciplines aren't really going to work very well because we're missing out on the joy that we should have in all this. But you find this joy, you will love all these spiritual disciplines. We start with that. Week two, we talked about rest, a very important one. We pulled out a level, and we talked about the divine rest that we have in Christ today. Like, you can have that right now, divine rest that has no, doesn't, doesn't matter what your circumstances are, but we also talked about the other end of rest, and that's physical rest, Sabbath rest, how you have to, using a level, you have to have both in your life, the spiritual rest, the confidence in Christ, and the peace in Christ, but also you need to stop for a day. Sabbath rest is a way that our body resets, and that gives us a balance, so we try to get that, that bubble on balance. Last week, we pulled out the shop towel, and we talked about the discipline of being a servant, not serving, but a servant, which is much different. And, and so that was a great one to go through. This uh, kind of a neat foundation we're building here to the rest of the series. If you missed any of these, it's been a fun series. It's been, I think, very thought-provoking. You can go back and watch any of these on the YouTube channel. Uh, and to those of us online, all this stuff I talked about, our, our worship guide, all this stuff is, is affixed out there on, on Facebook Live, and we're glad you're with us too. Um, but yeah, go out and catch up on these because I think all of them will be helpful. And so, and the one thing we talked about when we talk about these tools, and I think this is really important, is that a lot of times we don't do well with spiritual disciplines because we think it's a tool that we use. <laughs> and we're trying to stress that spiritual disciplines really is stopping in God's space long enough and let Him use a tool on us. And so, really, it's the tools he uses, but then he gives us these tools, which we'll talk about today, too. But it's really how he shapes us. So we challenge everybody, just take 20 minutes. In each one of these spiritual disciplines each week, take 20 minutes a day and try these out. And when you find one, we want you to move beyond 20 minutes. But that 20 minutes will start something that becomes a lifestyle. And that's what we want, is to see that spiritual discipline just be a lifestyle in us. But try each one of these each week, and then when we get done with the eight-week series, pick one or two that you really need to work on. And I think you'll find that really helps you and it'll really shape you. So before we jump into this unusual spiritual discipline of confession, let's, let's go to, let's bow our heads in prayer and let's get ready for this. So Holy Spirit, we ask you as we go into the words here, in, in the word, that you help us see areas of our life that we really need to shape. And Holy Spirit, if, if we got these areas, like today's area, if we're doing pretty good here, then teach us how to use the spiritual discipline in other people's lives. But Holy Spirit, you are the origin, origin of light for us today. And so light, illuminate these words, illuminate our heart where we need to change and make us bold, make us really bold today to make this kind of change in our life. So we lift this time up to you. 
lift up the word to you and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So let's start confession. Yeah, this is not one I think a lot of times um, people like to hear about, but I, I think this is important. So confession, let's just talk about definition of what confession is. Confession is admission to God that what we did in action or inaction or in our words was wrong. Pretty simple. Confession is admission to God that what we did in our actions or inaction or in our words was wrong. Confession is also being in agreement with God, saying the same thing God says about that sin. So it's also being in agreement with Him. Yeah, it's not good. And I see it as you see it, or I see God, I see it, God through your perspective. And, and let, me, let me take that definition and say, okay, then where does confession kind of fit in with repentance and forgiveness? So let me kind of paint a picture here. Confession is admission of that wrong. Repentance is turning from that wrong and heading in a different direction to not do it again. And the forgiveness happens along that way. There's forgiveness vertically and there's forgiveness laterally amongst people and forgiveness with God vertically. So those things, that's how they work together. But confession is that admission. Repentance is then, I admit it, and then repentance is now turning. And it's, I'm now going to go towards you and I'm going to stay away from that. And that's kind of those, those differences there. But they are close. We're going to talk about both all three today. The one thing I want to encourage, maybe a negative here, is confession is not mechanical. And what I mean is that it's not a ritual. It's not something that we simply do to clear our conscience. It's so much bigger than that. And so it is actually a spiritual discipline. So what makes it a spiritual discipline? And it's our first sermon note here together. Um, confession can heal and change. Confession can heal and change. And that's why it's a spiritual discipline. It can heal us first from the guilt and the shame. It heals us, it heals us from that consequence or that struggle of what we did. And it can heal us of that. They're removed and they, and they are replaced, that transgression is replaced with forgiveness. But it also, if sin is effects, so I always like coming back to the Ten Commandments. You know, I say this a lot. The first four are about our relationship with God when we break those, and the next six are about our relationship with people. So we know when we sin, it, it damages relationship, right? So healing, then, it, when I confess and move into that, it actually heals that relationship, not only with God, but with others. So it heals and it changes. If, if we understand what confession is and how it heals, then it also we realize, and it's about relationship besides, besides performance or just worried about getting in trouble, it's about relationship, then we can change. We actually become stronger in confession. Sin becomes less attractive to us. So if I begin to confess because I hate what it does with my relationship with God through Christ, and I know how it damages us, and I'm more worried about that relationship, I'm going to be less apt to do it, right? And it's more about the relationship than the performance or the issue or the consequence or worried about getting in trouble. And so what happens is, is in confession, how we change is we become stronger, sin becomes less attractive, we become more humble, but our relationship with God and with others grows stronger. And that's why it's a spiritual discipline, because it changes us. So I want you to do something without getting up. 
I want you to look behind you, to the right, the left of you, behind you, front of you. The people sitting next to you are your brothers and sisters in the family of God. This is family all around us. This is family. So I just want you, don't get up unless you have to actually move to do this. Just shake the hand of the person next to you and say, greetings, brother or sister. Just, I don't want you to talk. I just want you to greet. Those at home, just reach across the couch and shake the hand or across the dining room table. Just shake the hand of the person next to you. No conversation. <laughs> And the reason for this is your second sermon note. We are called to confess to our brother and sister. And you just met him. You just met him. We are called to confess to our brother and sister in Christ. God gives us faith community for a lot of reasons. And this is one of them. Now, I want you to understand you don't have to confess through your brother and sister but it is a gift when you do, and we're going to explain why. There are times when I think it's very important to confess to my brother and sister, and we're going to kind of share what that is today. But don't, you do have direct access to God. Let me be clear. You have clear, direct access to God through Christ to be forgiven. But a lot of times we struggle with this. And so he gives us the body of Christ to help. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. There's something powerful about confessing to our brother and sister. And I think, I think can I be honest, uh, coming from a Catholic background and falling in love with a Baptist girl who blew up my life and then kind of going all the way on that trajectory and then coming back, you know, we've been around a little bit. And what I found is that a lot of times we think of confession, we do think that Catholic or Orthodox way of it's this formal thing, go into confessional, be absolved, go out, go through penance. And so the Protestants, uh, around 1500 when they broke away, they did one thing that didn't help is they got so far away from the abuses, they threw the baby out with the bathwater, including confession. They have never really stressed, confess to my brother and sister. And I want to show you where no one, both of these realms, where, where I think we did throw the baby out with the bathwater, and that there's a lot of value in confessing to my brother and sister. We're going to talk about that today. The one thing I also want to say is sometimes when we talk about confession, we think it's always just the big thing, and it's something formal, or it's something, it's like, no, 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 no. I, I think all of us probably, or should, confess every day. Amen? I mean, sin is something that, that even in the believer's life, the enemy never stops. Can we be clear about this? He never stops. And so we confess every day or should, but I think we confess to each other a lot and we just don't know it. So I think when you go up to your, your brother or sister and you say, hey, I messed up, you just started the confession. If you say, I'm struggling with this in my life, and I know it's wrong. You just open the door to confession. When you say, I can't get my head above water because of this, you've opened the door to begin to confess. When we say, hey, did what I just say hurt you? You're opening a door to confess. I think we do it more than we think. But I want to say, do I really need to confess to my brothers and sisters? Where is that scripturally? Let me give you at least three. Three, and we're not in 1 John yet because that's kind of our key scripture today, but, but let me give you three that kind of point to this. We're going to start in, in John, the gospel of John chapter 20. We'll have it up here for you. Verse 21. These are the words of Jesus as he gets ready to send out the apostles. He says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive 
the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now this one is kind of hard to see unless you see it in context to say, hold on a second, if I go out and I forgive, they're forgiven, but if I don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Understand the context of this is he's sending out the 12 to start the church. And when he sends them out, he's saying, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, which is the one in the light and the one who helps guide and the one who has the power and authority. It's not us. And as I send you out, he says, you are going out with the good news. That is the whole role of the church is to go out with the good news, to go and tell everybody that God loves them this much. He sent his one and only son that went to the cross to die for what? Their sins. And all they need to do is what? Confess turn and come to him and they will be saved that's the good news so he says as you're going to go out in the good news here's the holy spirit and you're going to run into confession so when they confess through you we're going to forgive and if they don't want to be forgiven and they're stiff and they're resistant and they deny it then they won't be but it's not what you do it's what i do through you Notice it says, this it says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. The power is through God, not through you. It's what I will do. If they refuse to turn to me, then we're going to have to wait until that works. And so he gives them the power of the Spirit, and that same power is in us. The power is given to the church to go out and bear the message. We are all bearers of the good news, they can be forgiven. You can hear their confession and remind them they've been forgiven. We all have that. Let me show you another one. This is a brother, stepbrother, whatever you're going to say, of, J of Jesus, James, writing to the letter to the early church, James 5.16. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. So here he is telling the early church, go out and confess to each other. Go out and confess to your brothers and sisters. He recognizes that sometimes in the church, we battle with sin. We battle and struggle, and we struggle with forgiveness. Either we struggle with stopping sin or struggle with being forgiven, and we have the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ to help. He reminds us that sin has a secret power. Sin has a secret power, and this is a power. When I keep it secret, it has power. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of people on the outside look at Christians and call us hypocrites, because we can be. And one of the biggest ways I think we can be hypocrites or actors or fake is that we never will live in forgiveness of our sin. And we walk every day hiding it and keeping it down and suppressing it. And we're secret with it. And that hypocrisy is like putting on a mask and pretending to be somebody, you know how hard it is to breathe through those masks? But when you come to your brother or sister and you confess, it rips that mask off and we just breathe easier because we get set free from that. And sometimes we can be the worst of holding sin in and not confessing. The psalmist writes in Psalm 32, he says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. Let's go to the third one. And this, these kind of roll together. 1 Peter 2.9, Peter's now writing to the church. He says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. 
a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. So I am looking at a room, an online, of priests. In the Old Testament, prior to Christ's death, life, death, and resurrection, the priests were intercessors between God and the people. And if you go to the cross and Jesus paying that penalty for sin, you see the veil of the temple torn, you see the temple torn down, that no longer exists a priesthood because now it is us. We are all the priesthood of believers. We are all the intercessors between people and God, including in confession. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us. God did not take away the priesthood. He expanded it to the church. And we have this task to show others the goodness of God. And one of the ways we do that is show his goodness and how he forgives and sets us free from our sin. And then they will know his goodness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer kind of shared this theologian from a while back. He says, our brother, you can put sister in there too, very valid, has been given to us to help us. He or she hears the confession of our sins in Christ's stead, and he or she forgives our sins in Christ's name. We do not have the power to forgive, but yet it courses through us. Do we understand this? It is only through Christ that we are forgiven and the power of the Holy Spirit, but he chooses to work through us, his church, who if you go through scripture is the number one plan, the plan A for reconciling the world. What reconciling from? Reconciling from sin and lostness into forgiveness. We're given that authority and power, but it's through us. And when we go out there as a church, and we go out there and we're like, hey, we are a priesthood. We are here to be for our brothers and sisters. We are here to help them navigate confession and forgiveness and repentance. What's the most common thing that holds us up from confession? It is a really powerful word today that's all over the news. What's that word? Do you know? Pride. Pride is our number one reason why you and I don't confess, and then we don't feel qualified to help anybody else out. Pride doesn't like to admit we're wrong, right? <laughs> we live in a strong culture. We don't like to admit we're wrong, but more than that, pride justifies, pride rationalizes, pride explains it out, and pride shifts blame. But confession humbles us, it uproots that pride that keeps our souls in the dark. And so this is an important part. To not confess, to be stuck in pride is to walk in darkness. And that sets up our key scripture today. So now let's look at 1 John chapter 1. This darkness and light thing is a big thing. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. This is, I'm going to break this up into three parts. Uh, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. 
So God is light. That means there is no sin in him. There is no darkness in God. And when we confess to him, we move into that light with him, in relationship with him. The only thing that separates you and I from God is our sin. And so if I'm hiding in it, and if I'm secret with it, it's going to impact my relationship with him. But if I confess and I move into that light with him, I have that relationship with him then. And to walk in the light is to walk in truth. How do I know what I'm doing is right or wrong? Well, we have a great guide for this that hasn't changed. Walking in the light is to confess our sin, live in freedom, repentance, and forgiveness all together, and stay in that light. Let's jump to verse 7. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. So we know that if I confess to God and I walk out of that darkness into the light and I want to stay there, right? But not only when I step into the light does that restore my relationship with him, but it begins to restore my relationship with the fellowship and the body and the people. If I stay in the light, I can also repair and change and grow and heal in the body because my sin can have both those impacts. So stay in the light, I can heal vertically. Stay in the light, I can heal and change horizontally. And jumping to verse 9, this verse is known by many people, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Second time you've heard the word all. All. All means what? Thank you. It means all. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing his word has no place in our hearts. This one's tough, but it's beautiful. If we confess our sins to him, or if I confess my sins through my brother or sister to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all. There are no exclusions to the severity or depth or problem of our sin. But if in pride I'm hiding from that, I'm calling God a liar and showing that his word, I don't trust his word to say I can be set free. And you know my favorite word in all the Bible, right? Is but. But if we confess because of what Christ did, we are forgiven. If we confess directly through others or directly to God, he is faithful to forgive and cleanse us of all sin. There is no disqualifier, all sin. Even the worst you can imagine that any of us did, all sin. Jesus paid a huge price for all sin. And the only reason that that can be removed is because of what Jesus did. Jesus says, I paid for it, so you didn't have to. And in that, then we move from darkness to light. 
So that brings us to our next sermon. Probably this is a key thought today. We are built different. We are built to walk in the light. All of us are built to walk in the light with God through Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us is built to walk in light. We are not built to walk in darkness. We're built to walk in light. If you write down in your notes, if you're a note taker, Ephesians 5.8, for once, Ephesians 5.8, it's a good one to write down as a reminder. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. I could just hear the tone in it. So live as people of light. He's made a way, so live as people of light. So what's the tool that we need in our cabinet for this spiritual discipline? The shop light. So live as people of light. So I love this tool because it's, it has two purposes. One, God uses this light first. When we, when we, when we yield to him, God's going to use this light to the Holy Spirit and he's going to illuminate our sin in our life. He's going to, when we like to be there in the darkness and we invite him in, he's going to bring the light and it's going to show that sin. And then when that sin's exposed and we confess to him, yeah, I hate what this did between you and I and others, and we confess that, we move out of that darkness and that light stays and we're forgiven and repentance keeps us from walking back into the darkness, right? So it's his light, right? I keep saying these tools are God. This is God's light through Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is God's light that moves us from confession to repentance and forgiveness. It's his light, but then he hands us a light and says, I want you to carry it now. You have this light in you. And because you have the light of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you too can go out and help others come into the light. You can walk in their life and when they expose something, you can help shine light on it and say, hey, I know what we need to do. And you can be there when they confess and say, I hate this, ah, I'm with you, I know that. And they step out of that darkness into the light with you and then you hand them the light, right? As a follower of Christ, and then the light does what? It spreads. And when we walk out this door, I don't care how bright the sun is today, our world is very dark. And it's dark because the church is not getting out there with the light. I'm going to be tough on this one. We all have the light. For those who have been forgiven and walk in the light, now let's carry the light. We got the light. It's nothing that we do. It's everything that Christ did. But he chooses to use us as a reconciling force of the world and to go love people and show them the same thing that we were saved from. And so we're built to walk in the light, but we're also built to walk in the reality of forgiveness. And this is where I think the big disconnect is with a lot of Christians, is I confess, but I can't live in the reality of forgiveness. There's so many people that confess but stay in darkness because they don't understand they're actually forgiven. And this is where, brothers and sisters, this is where we really help. There's so many people that confess directly to God but never live in a reality of forgiveness because they never walk with a brother and sister in Christ and said, let me know how you've been set free. Let me show you the light. Let me help you towards the light. And so many people walk 
in darkness, even though they confess because they don't understand the reality of forgiveness. And the reason they don't believe in the reality of forgiveness is because they don't believe they're forgiven. And they need so bad for somebody in the body of Christ to come up to them and say, let me share with you 1 John. Let me share with you 1 John. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness, all wickedness, all wickedness, all of it. They just need to hear. That's our important part of us, and this is one of the biggest issues I see. I don't think there's a week that goes by here that I'm seeing somebody who's confessing but is not walking in a reality of forgiveness and they stay in the darkness. They just need somebody to help them. So let me share with you three things. This is your next note. So how do we do, what is an authentic confession? What's a real confession that, that works, that is biblical? And so, so the first thing is an authentic confession includes a mission of guilt and rejection of shame. This helps us figure out why we're not moving anywhere and why we stay out of that reality of forgiveness. Admission of guilt, rejection of shame. Most people put these two words together, guilt and shame, but they're very different. Guilt says, I did it. I did this bad thing. That's what guilt says. I did this bad thing. I know there's, there's probably consequence for that. And the only thing about guilt is only you can own the guilt. I can't share that guilt with anybody else. So guilt says, I did a bad thing. Shame says, I'm a bad person. Do you see the difference? Shame is about identity. Shame says, I'm not good enough, nor do I deserve because of that thing I did. Shame is where I take on a persona of that sin. Shame says, Brian, I'm just an alcoholic. And I look at him and say, you're not an alcoholic. You're somebody that struggles with alcohol. You are the beautiful child of God. That's the difference between guilt and shame. Anytime we're identifying ourselves by the sin and naming ourselves by it, we are listening to a voice that is not God's. God does not use shame. God says, you want to know who you are? Read Psalm 139. This is who you are to me. But the biggest struggle I see as Christians is we sti get stuck in shame. We believe we don't deserve. We believe we're not worthy of what Christ did on the cross. And we'll even question our salvation. Shame is always the voice of the enemy. Jesus says, What I did was enough, and it was perfect. You are free. So, mission of guilt, rejection. The second thing, recognition of love lost. If, if sin damages our relationship with him and our relationship with others, confession is entering into that pain of that sin. The person we hurt, and even God's pain over that sin. It's entering into that. And it recognizes a love that's lost in that transgression. If sin damages relationship, then what we need to do is recognize I lost in relationship. I lost in love, and I want to get that fixed. Which is much different than I sinned, I think I'm in trouble. It's a recognition of love lost, and it's a place of deep sorrow. 
I'm really sorry I did this because I know what it did between you and I and I know what it did between you and I. Third, an authentic confession includes a determination to not repeat. If that relationship, if my relationship to these spiritual disciplines grows with God through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit every day, then my relationship gets tighter and I don't want to sin because of that relationship. And so I fall in love so much I don't want to repeat it and now we see confession move to repentance. Repentance is I don't want to repeat that so I'm going to keep coming at you and we'll quit going this direction. Are you with me? That's an authentic confession. And remember these three things to have a heartfelt confession that really can change and free us to walk in the light. And those are so important for you and I individually in the body of Christ to be free because we're much stronger when we are. But there is one question I want to answer here a little bit too is then if we're getting this down pat is then how then the next question is is how do I receive as a brother of Christ a confession? So how do I receive it then? Let me help you with one, one thing to remember. And it's our last note. How do I hear my brother or sister's confession? How do I receive it? Here's the note. Receive the confession through the cross. It's the only thing I need to tell you. Like imagine that cross being between you and your brother and sister when they come to confess to you. You want to receive it through the cross. Well, what does that mean? It means literally put the cross between you and them. And remember first, when your brother or sister who trusts and loves you to come and tell you something like this, remember the first thing when you, when you receive it through the cross is you're receiving it through the blood of Christ. This is what saves you. This is what forgives you. This is what he did on the cross. Make sure they know that. The second thing when we receive through the cross, you're telling them is that, hey, this blood of Christ also saved me. And it also set me free. And when we know that I'm, that I'm seeing them through the cross, the same blood that saved me, then I'll never have an air of superiority over them. The hardest thing is to come confess to somebody and they sit on a high rise over you, Right? When you know how much it saved you, you can come on your knees, you can come at any posture, but it is never an error of superiority when we receive that confession through the cross. And make sure they hear, make sure they hear what that cross did. Again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, they need to hear this. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. In that confession, he just set you free. So be free. Or you can tell him Psalm 103 is that he has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. That means they're not touchable again, right? So hear it through the cross. Hear it through how you've been saved through the cross. Make sure they know that you have been set free from all. 
And then Steve was sharing with me, because he, he comes from a Catholic background too, so we're kind of sharing like these experiences in the confessional and, and the priest, and, and he did the same thing. He was sitting out from the priest. He said the priest, Steve gave me permission to share this. He said the priest got up, and he shared with him a father's hug. The hug of a father. That's how you've been set free. So he showed him what the father feels about him. So give him a hug. If it's appropriate, if it's right, give him a hug. There's no better way to physically show that you've been set free. And the last thing before you leave that moment is remember the words of James 5.16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. There is nothing more powerful than ending that moment in prayer. For the one who's been forgiven to the one who's freshly forgiven to come together and say, let's pray, let's give praise to God for what he just did. Let's give praise to Jesus for how he made this possible. And let's pray for the strength that we don't do it again. And I'm here with you. The power of prayer. The power of prayer. Four decades ago, I learned the power of confessing to my brother and walking in the light, and I'm still learning. And I hope we all know today the discipline of confession in a new way, the, a way that heals and changes us. It's not foreign. It's not weird. It's beautiful. And when we receive it, we can walk in the light, and when we carry the light, we can help others walk in the light. Amen? Amen. And as we're looking at this, we thought, man, there's no better time than now to talk about communion. Communion is a time when we come to the table and we remember and we celebrate what Christ did so we can be forgiven, so we can confess, so we can come into the light and stay in the light. And there's a scripture verse when it talks about communion. It says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So we want to take a moment here and we want to all examine ourselves. And you have a brother and sister sitting right by you. You've got brothers and sisters up here. but it's so important before we come to the table that there's confession in our heart and we're set free to walk in the light. In a minute, I'm going to light a candle which is representative of the Christ's light that draws us to him and we stay in that light. I bet there's many in this room that have confessed but never walk in the reality of forgiveness. And I'm going to ask you, don't let pride be your stopper today going to ask you to come up here to the front and say, Brian, I've confessed, but I can't. I can't let go. I can't walk in freedom. I need help. You can, you can come talk here. We'll, we'll come up here and pray with you as we all prepare our hearts. And maybe you do need to confess something, and maybe today's the boldest day of your life, and you can walk four to five foot off the ground when you walk out of here. But maybe the real thing is you just don't know the reality of forgiveness. And let us help you.
Let's not be a church that talks about confessing to our brother and sister. Let's talk about a church that sets each other free, amen? Because I know we all have sin in our lives, and every day we need to confess. So if you walk up here, there's no shame. But I bet a bunch of you are just stuck that I can't get into the reality of forgiveness and let us help you today. Don't let pride stick you in a seat or turn to the brother or sister next to you. Let's do that. Let's spend some time. Feel free to come forward.